If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to that passage. We will definitely revisit that in Ephesians 4, um, verses 25 through 32. We will be back in there um, before the message is over. So go ahead and get in your Bibles. That's kind of small to read up there. I know there's quite a few, uh, there's some passages that we will revisit um, in just a little bit. Our, our message today is entitled, we've been continuing this series called Make Life Happen, The Power of Intentionality. And today's message is going to be about making empowerment happen. And uh, the message title for today is, is simply living a Kaizone life. All right, I'll tell you a little bit about what Kaizone is in just a minute. Um, but first, I want to, I feel like I would not be doing um, justice as a pastor this morning um, without talking a little bit about um, what has been going on in Houston, Texas. And I'm actually going to express some of the same sentiments that, that, uh, that Nick had shared. Um, but I just want to remind us that, well, first of all, you received a uh, little insert there in your bulletin. Um, if you've read through that yet, basically the message is, is, is kind of wait, okay? There's going to be, this is going to be a long-term process for rebuilding. Lots of needs that they're going to have in the upcoming weeks. And so it's basically been a rescue mission up until really just a few days ago. They kind of began the... Um, going back. And so there will be lots of opportunities to give and even opportunities to serve. Brethren Disaster Ministries does a great job. We usually have a team. We've already have a team, if you read in your bulletin, that's already there now. Um, and if that is something you're at all interested in, yes, there could be a ways arranged for you to join those teams. Um, but the, your insert there is, is uh, there, there's a place you can donate now to clean up buckets. And even after I printed that off, which was earlier in the week, I just got an email a couple days ago saying that they are in urgent need um, for about 500 of those cleanup buckets now. And so that's where your donation would go to. It would go directly to, to make that happen. And when I say stuff like this out loud, um, <clears throat> I really like to get feedback. If there are any of you that would want to go and be a part even of a team that just put together those cleanup buckets, um, when there's one person interested, you've got my interest. And so and that's something that maybe some of us could do as, part, as, a, as, as the congregation together. Um, and so if there's any of those things you are interested in, there's a way to donate to those cleanup buckets. But if you would like to do some hands-on stuff, I would love to, to do that with you and help you to get that opportunity. So take a look at that in your newsletter there, or your little insert, bulletin insert there. Now, when things like this happen um, in Houston... We are not, uh, as, as Christ followers, we're not called to just be people that, that sit back and watch this stuff on the news and say, wow, I'm glad that's not us. And that be all of the connection that we have to it. Um, we are called as the people of God to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. We are called to feel. We are called to allow moments like this and, and take them in a little bit and imagine what it would it be like if that was us. Imagine what these people could be going through. And imagine and consider ways perhaps that we can give, we can help even, even being all the way up here in Ohio. And ultimately, what I'm going to do for just a couple moments here now, ask questions as to what it is we can learn from experiences like these and when something like this happens. And so I just, you know, frankly, I feel unqualified to talk about this because I've never had anything like this happen to me. And, and yes, I have been imagining what that would be like for, for me and my family if something like that were to happen. And I've noticed two really key observations that I want us to take away here, that I want us to notice today, that I believe speak to us spiritually. 
The first one is, I don't know if you noticed in the upcoming days, I, I probably watched more of what was going to happen in the upcoming days when I heard about what this storm was going to be like. And they began telling people, <clears throat> there were certain cities like Corpus Christi and Beaumont, I believe, where they were telling people to evacuate the city. They were telling people to leave, and they were telling them to leave as quickly as you possibly can. And this, I believe, you know, history will tell itself, but this is going to go down probably in a significantly con- significant contrast to Katrina, where there was more preparation, people were better prepared, more people evacuated. It didn't catch them as a surprise. And, but there were some, a lot of people evacuated. They heard those calls from their, their mayors, their governors, and they left those cities. But there was always a remnant of people that didn't leave. And I start asking questions why it would be that someone would wait this out knowing how bad it's going to be. And there is a great point of a spiritual challenge to all of us. I wonder how many of us are, want to remain in the place that is comfortable um, with all the stuff that we've obtained, everything that we've always known about ourselves thus far, everything that we've accomplished rather than move on to our next phase, to to our destiny. And that's kind of what we saw happen. People wanted to remain in their comfort zone rather than, than to pursue their salvation because that's exactly what that was for them. Many people's people that left, their lives were saved. People that did not leave, their lives had to be saved by other people. Something to think about. As we all, as I sit and observe, you know, why would you choose to remain, be, remain in that point of comfort, even with everything that you've ever obtained? And we all have our moments of contentment and comfort, but God is calling us to leave our place of comfort and contentment to a place of salvation, where the Lord can save us from, well, ourselves. Now, secondly, this is the bigger thing, and this was beautiful. So <clears throat> what you see happen what you saw happen in Houston, and, and I believe many people were a lot more prepared for this, you see people who in our culture, we are finding more ways to isolate ourselves. <clears throat> let me stay to my home and do my own thing and let me um, kind of just live my life in peace and not have to engage and interact with too many people. People who, and, and they try to get a little bit more money or try to get a little bit more stuff than their neighbor. What I saw, what we saw happen in Houston were people who were formally competing with each other were now saving each other. And there's a beautiful uh, parallel here because that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. Now, here's what, here's what we saw happen. We see, we see people getting on, we, you'd see people getting out of their homes and getting out of their boats And the reason we see it is because there's a television crew there and a reporter with a microphone ready to stick in their face saying, how are you feeling right now? Um, What is this like for you? Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have, if if I just went through one of the most challenging things in my life and I've just watched my home be flooded and know that probably everything's going to have to be repaired or I'm going to have to get a new house, something's going to have to change, I'm going, to be, I'm going to feel a lot better about getting on a boat with some people who have just lost their homes too. Some people that have been there and done that and are going through the same experience rather than someone else on the other side just sitting there. Tell me how this feels. Tell me what's this, what this is like. Like we speak Christianese sometimes where we say things like, oh, I'll pray for you, whether or not we actually pray or not. But, oh, I'll pray for you, sweetheart. 
Give me somebody that's been through it before. Give me somebody that's actually growing in Christ. Give me through somebody that knows what it's like to deal with some dark things and, and wants to move on and is falling more in love with God. I want to be in the boat with that person. And so people that were formerly competing with each other were now saving each other. And see, they, that boat was actually their place of refuge. And church, I want us to understand that that's exactly what the church of Jesus Christ is called to be. A place of refuge. A place where we're not here to, to compete with each other. A place where we are here uh, to, to love each other. To say, look, I know you've just come through something tragic. I just want to give you some space right now. Like, rather than that microphone being stuck in their face and allow you to, to kind of come to accept reality. I want to give you a, some space and affirm you and say, look, you're still standing. Your family's right here with you. You're going to be able to move on. And then the next phase, the phase of empowerment that says, now let me tell you what's going to happen next in your life and what the Lord's going to do. Church, that's what we are called to be. A space where people can accept reality. A place where people can be infirmed and ultimately what we're going to talk about today. A place where people can be empowered. In your monthly this morning, um, <clears throat> you should have got, if you've, if you've got your monthly, I'm, I'm going to, this is basically the sermon outline for next week. But, but since you are here, I want to encourage you, we're going to use this as a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a little bit of a form, I guess you can say. At the bottom of of that are many different ministries. You see a paragraph list of many different ministries that currently happen in our church. And then you see another paragraph after that of ministries that really don't exist in our church and that could exist perhaps if, if you have an interest to make some of these things happen. I'm going to ask you to begin praying about these things and begin considering this, these things. This is exactly what next week's going to be about. But since you're here this week, I might as well tell you if you see something here Excuse me. Would you mind get, grab one of those waters in there? I think I'm going to need it this morning. <clears throat> but if you would need, um, if, you, if there's a ministry in here that you would be interested in, just grab it, circle something on this sheet, put your name on the monthly, and stick it in my box. Um, I'd love to have that opportunity to connect with you and talk with you more about what that would look like, whether it's something currently exists or something <clears throat> that may exist in the future. So we want, um, it, it's, it's, it's my prayer that I win all of you since you are here and today this is what we're going to talk about empowerment I want you to think of our church as that place a place where we are a refuge a place where we come in and empower each other as we begin new beginning Sunday and a new season of ministry I want you to see yourself as that person who brings about affirmation and empowerment and so we're going to talk today about this we're going to talk today about living thank you very much a kaizone life now Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Anybody know what Kaizone is? You probably formerly heard it called Sky Zone, okay? There's this place in Centerville that's got a bunch of trampolines, and you go in and you jump on all these trampolines. Well, my four-year-old can't pronounce her S's real well yet. So for her, it's just Kaizone, okay? And Kaizone is her favorite place, one of her favorite places to go. And she walks out of Kaizone all sweaty and everything, and so we're going to talk about living a Kaizone life. And see, the beauty is this on trampolines, 
When you get on these trampolines, you can jump higher. You can do things that you normally couldn't do before. Like this young man is dunking a basketball perhaps for the first time in his life. He's gotten on a trampoline and he can go higher. And you can see things from a greater perspective when you get up a little bit higher. And there's just so much more that comes out when you get up, uh, when you get on this massive springboard that is at Kaizone and you get to enjoy it with everybody. And I'll say it again as I shared it about Houston. That's exactly what a church is called to be. We're called to be this giant springboard of faith that are excited to be here, excited about what the Lord is doing in our life, and excited about getting higher and, and, getting, and doing things that we never thought we could do together. And when we do that, we empower others to get more excited about, what, about things that they never thought that they can do. That's exactly what a church is supposed to be. But rather, instead, some people view church like this trampoline. Like this thing is just for me, and I'm 280 pounds, so I might break it. But like I'm good right here. i just kind of stuck in my own little world. I got all the jumping I can do. Whoa, 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 whoa. You stay. You're getting way too close to me, man. You're asking too many questions too many personal things about my life, things I'm just not that comfortable sharing right now. If you don't mind, you stay over there on your little trampoline, and I'm just going to encourage myself. I'm just going to let people, somebody preach to me. I'm going to come up, I'm going to sit all by myself, and nobody's going nobody's to get too close to me. I'm just going to kind of be in my own little world. That's not the empowerment that I'm talking about. What, would you rather jump on this? Well, I don't know. Some of you may answer. That might not be a good question to ask some of you. But I was going to say, would you rather jump on this little trampoline? Now, you got to pretend like nobody's looking. See, I can't go in Kai Zone because, like I said, I'm 280 pounds, and some little kids will get hurt, okay, if I go in there and start jumping on that thing, okay? That's what happens. That's what I see. I see an ambulance coming, and who's the guy that did this? And me right here. Sorry. Sorry it happened again. And so uh, that's why I can't do it. But if I could have that place to myself... I would take Kaizone over this little thing any day of the week. And I want to tell you, church, that's exactly um, what, what I believe people who are hungry for God are looking for. A giant springboard of people who are in love with Jesus Christ and want to share and encourage each other and empower each other for what he wants to do in their life. And I want to tell you, Ephesians 4, chapter 25 is an example of what this empowerment culture looks like. Now, there's a lot of texts, and so I just decided I'm not going to give myself too many notes. I've studied this, and I'm just going to let the Spirit speak to us this morning as I go through some of these. If I try to exegete all this, we would be here all night. There's a lot of really good stuff just right here in this passage. Um, if you take a look, if you have a header, some of you may have a header if you have an NIV Bible on, Ephesians, on top of Ephesians 4.17. Somebody tell me what that says. You might have a header. Living as children of light. What does your say? Living as what? Living as a new person. Good. Nick, what does your say? The new man. I love all these are really good, really, um, really good language here to describe what this whole section is all about. This is what it looks like to be Christ followers. And this this is written specifically in the context of the church. 
So I love this book. I'm going, this will be my next series. I won't be getting to it till the end of September, um, but I'll begin teaching through Ephesians at the end of September. So we're definitely going to be hearing a lot more from the book of Ephesians. But here is a passage that shows us the instructions for Christian living. It shows us what a culture, a church culture should look like, what it should look like when we begin to gather together as believers. So here is some examples of an empowerment culture. We'll begin with verse 25. It says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, it may be easy to say, well, that just means stop lying. Well, yeah, sure, you you should definitely interpret it that way because that's what it says. Okay, don't speak falsely, speak truthfully. But maybe for a minute we could talk about just just the, those little things that we tell people that are they're like little lies we don't even think that they count but like things like where you just say hey I'm doing fine but really I'd actually like to talk to somebody about some stuff there's some complicated things happening in my life right now and I don't know how to work through it but instead of sharing that with somebody when they're just trying to shake my hand and move on with life I'm just going to say I'm doing fine how about we this become a place where we can tell each other the truth This is what's going on. This is what I need some help with. This is where I do need some encouragement. This is something that no longer makes sense to me. You know, speaking truthfully is perhaps about maybe, you know, we've we've lived a certain way all week and now we've come here on, on Sunday and we put on another mask or we're trying to be somebody that we're really not. Speaking truthfully means being men and women of authenticity and integrity. So let us be people that begin to speak truthfully to each other. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Now, uh, we could talk, uh, that's a whole sermon on anger right there, but we could talk a lot about anger, because, but I want you to recognize anger itself is not a sin, Feelings and emotions never are. Feelings and emotions themselves never are sinful. They just are. It's how we respond to these feelings and emotions that become sinful. James talks about that each of one of you is tempted when by your own desires you are dragged away and enticed. And then your desire gives birth to sin. And sin, once it is full-blown, gives birth to death. That's what Scripture says in James about what sin and desire and temptation is. And so feeling is just a feeling at first. The truth is we were actually created to be angry about some things. We were actually created to be a little bit angry when we see injustice. We were actually created to be a little bit angry when we see heroin addicts and allowing these things to destroy their life. Something ought to rise up in us that we want to do something about it. But this passage says, do not be in your anger, do not sin. In your frustration, in, in your frustration, do not bring about... This anger that will destroy you and destroy the people around you. And do not give the devil a foothold. That means allowing something to continue to fester in your life that you haven't dealt with. Now, when I'm talking about an empowerment culture, I want to tell you that that it doesn't take me too, personally, it doesn't take me too long to get to know someone and find out that there's still some low-grade boiling anger in them. You know those people too. Those people that whatever it is, they have this chip on their shoulder about something. Something that happened a long time ago 
something that's like that one thing that they won't talk about. The scripture says here is that in those moments, you're giving the enemy a foothold. You're giving him an opportunity, an area of your life that you are refusing to deal with. And so it will always be an area where he can come in and run shot on you and do whatever he wants to because you are choosing not to deal with it. The scripture says in your anger, do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface with that one. There's so much more to say. But if we have a culture that, is, that comes with a chip on our shoulder, we will never be completely comfortable in our own skin, and we will never be able to be those that can empower others onto things that even we haven't experienced yet. All right, I got to move on. Next one, verse 27, or verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, there's, once again, a lot I could talk about that passage, but one of the things that is most significant, one of the reasons why Paul places that in there, is because Paul is saying it'd be great if, if, there's, a, if there's somebody that has come into your ranks and everybody in the community knew them as a thief. Wouldn't it be amazing is when they walk in and see a place full of empowerment, full of Christ-centered believers who've given their lives over to something bigger than themselves. Wouldn't it be great when they come in and see this guy that used to steal from people every opportunity that, they, that he got is now working his tail off for something bigger than himself. See, what Paul's speaking of here would be great. There should be a contrast at times in someone's life, the way they used to be to the way that they are now. And when people come in and recognize that, that's going to be something that is empowering. That's going to be a springboard that people can jump off of. Man, this guy used to be the biggest thief in town, and now he's working harder than anybody else in here. What happened to him? Let me tell you what happened to him. Jesus Christ happened to him. And yes, it happened here, and he's moving in his life. And if you come and join us on this springboard, this may be what happens to you as well. That's the springboard of empowerment. Next verse, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs to benefit those who listen. That is the, 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 the key verse for this whole message, verse Ephesians 4, 29. This is an atmosphere of empowerment to allow things that are not wholesome, things that do not build others up, things that rather tear others down, can this not be a place for that? Because they, people get enough of that in anywhere else they go in this world. They find people to criticize. They find people that don't like the things that they do. They find people that, that want to say things counter to what they believe. But can this church, can West Alexandria just, we make a pact with each other that this is a place of refuge? This is a place where we build each other up. When we say out loud things to others that, like, that you are amazing, God is working in your lives, and as Paul said, say it so everybody else can hear. See, there's a, pretty good, there's a pretty good thing you could live by right there. If you want to go give somebody a really good compliment, say it loud enough so everybody else hears too. And let it be a little awkward for them, but you know what? It's awkward for a second, but they all really love it. Oh, don't say that about me. Keep going, keep going. So that's, that's really the way everybody is. But we could be a, a culture of empowerment. Our language should be helpful. Our language should be that which builds rather than tears, tears down. And that it may benefit, as the scripture says, that it should benefit those who listen. Wow, what a great thing to think about. Is the stuff 
that you've been thinking about all week, that you've been frustrated about, if, if you're saying it for, for someone else to help you, or if you have a declaration to make, is what's going to come out of your mouth going to be helpful for everybody else, or is it going to be something that's going to tear down rather than build? A church, our church is called to be a place of empowerment, not a place of destruction. Next, verse 29, do, or excuse me, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And we talked about that last week, about how the presence of God is living on the inside of you. And we are called to move from some things and move towards some things. And the presence of God is with you so that that, that that's what he can do in your heart. That's what it's there for, is to put to death some things and to bring new life in some areas. And when we choose not to do that with our life, that we packed it in, I'm this way, I'm going to always be this way the rest of my life, I refuse to change, that is grieving the Holy Spirit, brother and sister. When we've decided that I'm done, this is all that God ever has for me, but that's the opposite of your destiny. I've shared many times before, destiny is not so much as act that you're going to do, it's the person that you are called to become today. And saying yes to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Verse 21, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling in slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ Jesus, God forgave you. Now, my simple call, because see, this, all of those things, that last thing there was a requirement that you would forgive someone else. That you would extend out to someone else with your language, with encouragement. That you would extend to someone else and jump on a springboard with someone else with your own vulnerability. To be able to share, to be open and honest about what the Lord is doing in your life. And you know, the, to be open and honest about what God is not doing in your life. To be open and honest about areas where you have not let the Lord in. I'm telling you, that is what a giant springboard of encouragement, of empowerment is. So my simple challenge to you with this message is, will you get off your own little springboard and start jumping on a big Kaizone springboard with everybody else? And let's be a place of empowerment. <coughs> let's be in place where we encourage each other. Let's be a place where we believe that the Lord is not done with us yet. As your monthly said, I'm challenging you to dream again. I'm challenging you to love God more. And when you love God more and when you dream again, I'm challenging you to take a new step into a ministry here in our congregation. Let's be. Let's make some life happen here. Let's make some empowerment happen. So let's get off our own springboards. And let's find a place. Uh, to encourage someone else and jump on this thing of faith together. And so now I want to give you the easiest way to do that. Nick, you can get that ready, okay? The easiest way to do that, the easiest way to open up our mouths and to encourage and to be people that express praise is first we give praise to God. And this is where it all begins for us, okay? This is where, this is where it must all begin for us. So this song is really simple. It might be hard for you to follow the verses because um, it comes up really quick. But I promise you'll remember these lines of the chorus, which simply says, Your praise will ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. So we all stand and join me as we conclude together. 
We're going to sing this song, and we'll conclude with the word of prayer. You'll have some words of accompaniment here, and let's, let's conclude as we sing this song together. Bring that down a little bit, Nick, and let's sing this together. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Worship you today, Lord. You can bring that down, Nick. Today, Lord, we thank you that you are a God that brings life to us. And now, Lord, as we, as we begin uh, this week with praise to you, we declare that you are worthy of glory. You are worthy to be adored. You are, you are bigger than anything that we think is confusing, anything that we think is a problem for us. You are bigger than all of these things. So, Lord, we, 
we breathe life and praise to you. And now, may we recognize with our own affirmation of who you are, we have the power to bring life into others as well. We are the salt of this earth, the light of this world, and may with our own mouths, with our own lives, and frankly, Lord, with our own identities, may we be people of empowerment, and may our congregation be a boat to jump in in a way of refuge or as a giant trampoline that all of us can get higher and enjoy. May we be people who breathe life into each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.